Welcome to the 37th episode of the ABC Pod, the adult book club with Taja and Russell. This episode features A Deadly Education by Naomi Novik. Spoilers are between the 49 and 1 hour 29 minute marks. We discuss our strong female lead as well as the incredibly original setting in this story. We also touch on some of the pieces that felt cookie cutter and what really made it stand out for us. We briefly discuss ways we would collect and store mana and then end with our usual segments. So with that, let's hear it. Well, Taja and Russell, they both love reading books. Taja and Russell, they both love reading books. Well, what do you do when you share such love? Well, you start a club, you start a club, an adult book club, an adult book club, and a podcast. Welcome to the 37th episode of the ABC Pod, the adult book club with Taja and Russell. I am Russell, and she is Taja. Well, hello. Well, hello and happy Turkey Day to all our American listeners. We're coming to you the day after and we're doing coffee and a podcast because, folks, it's the holiday season and we got holiday things to do. So on that note, for this episode, we are excited to bring you A Deadly Education, the first book of School of Mance by Naomi Novik. But before we get into that, it has been two weeks. We have been loaded full of food because of Thanksgiving. Tasha, what has been going on up north? We got some snow. You did. How much did, did you get? I think at the like peak, peak snowy time, we probably had like six, six inches or so. It's kind of come and gone in that it like melts a little bit. We get a little dusting, so on and so forth. But there's quite a bit of grass showing on the lawn. So yesterday was actually really nice, like sunny 40s, which is warm now. <laughs> um, it always amazes me how quickly I adjust to what is like normal. Like we get three days of 70 degrees and then all of a sudden 30 feels so cold. And then you get a couple days of 20 degrees and 30 degrees feels so warm. (laughs) But yeah, it's just a weird, I don't know, human adjustment period is so quick. It's strange. See, I'm impressed that you do it so quickly. For me, I get it once a year. So like October, that 40 uh, degree day in October is cold. But like, I always love sweatshirt and shorts weather when you find that nice 45, 50. But then in the spring, it hits like 38 and you're like, oh my God, it's so warm. No jacket. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're rolling around with the windows down in the car (laughs) and it's like 45 degrees, but it feels so warm. I think that it's happened a couple of times already, like at the start of the fall season, because we had some abnormally warm times, like quite a bit of it. So it really dragged that whole summer vibe out a bit longer than normal. What else? What else? Uh, crafting, candles, candle yeah, making. Yeah, that, that Um, It went okay. Yeah. I. It was fun. I. Here's one of the... It burned. looks like a candle, folks. Yeah. I mean, it was one that broke poorly. So it was our sort of guinea pig candle that we're keeping rather than gifting to people. There's something funky about the wax. Like usually when I burn a candle, it burns like the top layer all nice and melty (laughs) and then it just goes down. This is burning like it's tunneling away to China. So I'm not really (laughs) sure if I did something wrong or if it's like the combo of the wick and the wax. I don't know. Anyway, that process was very forever taking. So it might be a while before I (laughs) delve into that craft again. And then, yeah, Thanksgiving yesterday, um, I had my parents over and 
we did a prime rib instead of a turkey because we just buck traditions, you know? Like, screw turkey. Turkey's boring. Dark meat's the only good thing about it. And it's not even the whole turkey. Uh, but yeah, the prime rib was really good. My parents know how to do meat. They did a week-long dry aging. And then they put this, like, epic rub on it. It did have to cook for, like, three hours. So yeah. <clears throat> that was just a long time waiting. <laughs> the house smelled really good and it yeah. was nice and toasty warm because we had the oven on for so long and i uh i think just working and and yeah i don't think there's anything else that's new i'm terrible at this question i should like write it's things terrible. down you say that every other week or every other episode you're always like i should write things down but, and then i know, don't <laughs> it's a sign of our age we say things <laughs> yeah. and then forget it uh for for us the last two weeks we started off i kept coming up with ideas that Amanda didn't want to do for her birthday uh, over Veterans Day weekend. And then she ended up coming up with a day trip for us uh, because that was one of the days it was like 60, 70 degrees. It was absolutely beautiful out. So we ended up going to Bennington, Vermont, and then up to Manchester, Vermont, which are two places I have been through, but never actually been to. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a lot of fun. And actually, Manchester, Vermont is absolutely beautiful. And I never knew that. The only reason I knew it existed was two jobs ago, we used to deliver to one company there. Uh, and I was shocked to find there were quite a few companies there. So <laughs> really beautiful place. I forget the name of the bookstore, but there's a bookstore there that's three levels that is supposedly the best Ooh. bookstore in New England. I thought it was okay. Uh, it had a great selection of new, but when you're reading hundreds of books a year, you, you, you're living in the used book world. Um, yeah, you, so they, don't play, you don't pay full price for books. Yeah. So they had some, some options there too, but it was just to me, it was another one that I would have needed a map for. It felt like I just couldn't find what I was looking for. But we went to a lot of, there was a lot of cool like artisan shops up there too with woodworking and uh, different kinds of art work. So that was really cool just to see and look at all the prices of things that there was no way we could afford because art is nice, but art is expensive. I was just going to say, it sounds like a cheaper version of Stowe, but maybe not actually cheaper. <laughs> well, it depends. Like we found a cool woodworking shop that had um, some ornaments like oh, made out cool. of wood yeah. and we, we found a moose and a bee. So that was cool. Yay. We got to support them. Uh, but yeah, Yay. then they had like, you know, those nice bowls that you're like, oh, this is great. And it's like $95. I'm like, yeah. it's a bowl. It just holds things. Doesn't need to be that expensive. So that was a couple of weeks ago. And then last weekend, with that cold weather we had coming in, we had a couple of nights in the teens. We were putting up the ice rink anyway. So oh, we yeah. decided to try to fill it and get a layer on, um, which means I now have a pool in my side yard uh, oh, because no. that did not freeze in time. But that's okay. Um, but yeah, we spent uh, cold again soon. Uh, so. Usually we don't get it on it on it till January, but yeah. right now the extended forecast in December looks like we could actually get on it by Christmas, which would be super. Oh, cool. nice! And we did our best with the construction this year. Like every year, we learned something new. So this year, we kind of adapted to what we learned last year, and I think we did a better job of it. So we'll see. But nice. uh, so it's got some like I, I've got a little bit of a pool out there, but uh, hopefully in I don't know two three weeks it'll start freezing up. So. We'll see, but it's just nice to have it up. It's a good reminder that winter is coming, that ice skating is coming, very exciting. And then for us, for Thanksgiving, we had one of my sister-in-laws and her family and my mother-in-law up, and they were here for like nine hours, which is great. Uh, Actually, we do play this old game called Pokino. I don't know if you've ever played that. It's basically like bingo, but with 
it's uh your regular standard cards and okay. it's it it's a little bit more than that but whatever and we play for money and the last one is the the coverall and amanda and i like made it so we only lost three dollars because we won the coverall combined nice. we were we were down and there's some fun moments with with that game so it was nice to spend time with the family and that was our first thanksgiving we've done in, in COVID. Yeah. so that was uh that was nice, but that's all coming gone. And in order to get them here, Amanda made us clean the house head to toe on places that I've never cleaned in the 14 years I've lived here. So that was when she told me we had to clean the baseboard. I thought she was joking and yeah. she did not appreciate my snark at that. <laughs> <laughs> but as she says, the house is so beautiful now and incredible and whatever so and whatever yeah and of course she she pledged all the doors which we've had issues in the past where we pledged the floors turns out that makes it really slippery so slippery so when you're using the aerosol spray on the doors it still goes on the ground so now around every door there's oh, a no. slippery spot um <laughs> i almost went down coming up from the basement yesterday it was very terrifying. oh no so our house is like a little bit of a um traps uh, yeah traps traps and obstacle course so yeah i had a similar situation with something that i cleaned last weekend that hadn't never been cleaned since we bought the house seven years ago our shower door it's one of those like glass stall showers and the door frame is framed i had purchased like a replacement you know like little plastic like water shield thing for the bottom but i bought it for an unframed door so it didn't fit of course and in my finding out that it didn't fit I had to like take the thing apart on my door and like the area it's like screwed in with two little screws I took that off and it was so foul like (laughs) just really really disgusting levels of I mean seven plus years I don't know if the other person had cleaned it before then so who knows how many years that would be a wonderful place for Mal Victoria to be hiding Oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I also would have built up some mana just cleaning it. So obviously double, double good. So we're getting into the book, but before we do, it's our bi-weekly reminder. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We are posting like one thing every other week. So we are (laughs) not crowding your timeline. My my nephew is trying to do a shoe sales thing I've told you about before. He's 13. So he started an Instagram and he's just entering all the contests. Where it's like repost this, repost oh, this. Oh yeah, that his Instagram is trash. We yeah. are not. We are not trash. We will only show you a few things here and no, there. No, we have so. quality content. It's just not doesn't happen very often. Exactly. <laughs> we are not influencers. So again, it's Adult Book Club Twenty One, all one word. Instagram and Twitter. And now let's move back to the book. So once again, it is the Deadly Education by Naomi Novik. So this is our second time reading a Novik book. If you're not a usual listener to the show. Um, the first was when we covered Spinning Silver, which was back on episode 18. Go ahead and pause here, go back and listen, and then come <laughs> back here. Her other works include the Nine Book Temeraire series, which we've discussed in current selection a few times, as well as her other standalone novel, Uprooted, which I think is on both of our TBR. We just haven't got there yet. A Deadly Education is the first part of the School of Man's trilogy, which came out in September 2020, followed by The Last Graduate and The Golden Enclaves, uh, which debuted over the following two years in September both times. So this is another one where I wonder how much was written all at once. Like, I feel like when you get that... Such the a, regimented, yeah. Yeah, cookie cutter release date. I feel like there's something fishy. Although authors can write a book a year. I've seen it done. That's true. I was going to say, though, like the way that um, the pacing is, it wouldn't surprise me if like she had the whole thing planned entity. out. Entity, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. It was very well 
yeah. done that way. So before we get into the book, Taja, would you like to read us the cover? Yes. I decided that Orion Lake needed to die after the second time he saved my life. Everyone loves Orion Lake. Everyone else, that is. Far as I'm concerned, he can keep his flashy combat magic to himself. I'm not joining his pack of adoring fans. I don't need help surviving the Skolomans, even if they do. Forget the hordes of monsters and cursed artifacts. I'm probably the most dangerous thing in the place. Just give me a chance and I'll level mountains and kill untold millions, make myself the dark queen of the world. At least, that's what the world expects. Most of the other students in here would be delighted if Orion killed me like one more evil thing that's crawled out of the drains. Sometimes I think they want me to turn into the evil witch they assume I am. The school certainly does, but the school of Mance isn't getting what it wants from me, and neither is Orion Lake. I may not be anyone's idea of the shining hero, but I'm going to make it out of this place alive, and I'm not going to slaughter thousands to do it either, although I am giving serious consideration to just one. Nice. And I will say that is a good setup for the book. Once again, it is. Yeah. Did not read that before we got into it. So uh, Galadriel or L is our protagonist and all caps, strong female lead of this story. Uh, What did you think of her as we got to know her kind of right away? She was definitely have a strong female lead vibe going on. I think I struggled. I don't know if that's really the right word a little bit with her sort of heavy handed emphasis on how dangerous and powerful she is but then also how i don't know she like she knows that she can do things but she's decided not to and she doesn't really like give a good reason as to why she's not going to if that makes sense like i i wasn't ever fully convinced that she was really convinced it was just kind of like i'm gonna do this because it's not what's expected maybe which i mean power to you you know to expect the unexpected i think for her she was just always worried what it would take and it did sound like in this book with the magic you don't really know the cost or at least it didn't seem that way so she was worried that if she did that one grand thing it would just pull from wherever which for her it was very easy to pull from other people's life forces and i did get the impression that she you know while she's like a really capable magic user and she obviously like the school is giving her all of these access to all these like really terrible spells she's not a bad person like she doesn't want to kill all these people which i guess is a good thing because all of that power in the hands of somebody different like a couple of the other well the one dude in particular in the school would be bad would be really bad so i guess i kind of like that juxtaposition of a person who isn't necessarily fighting against their nature because it's not like she is bad or evil, but that she has this super powerful ability that kind of goes against her personality, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it was interesting too. I wonder how much of that is just her being told constantly that she's going to be this grand evil thing. I mean, her grandmother does it to her when she's five years old. Yeah. Yeah. So that immediately kind of corrects or changes her course. It feels like obviously she doesn't have that family backing her anymore because of it. But also then she has that like weird uh, feeling she gives off to others where it's, she just assumes it's because they sense that evil in her that they no longer feel comfortable around her and that they don't want to like spend time with her because when they do, it just feels a little off. And because of that, um, something I really appreciated about it was that how guarded she was. 
obviously because she's giving that feeling to everyone and she's kind of the loner loser of the group uh, uh, of her class or whatever. She is just wanting to go her own way. And she put herself out there like the first week or so of school freshman year and then realized quickly it was better to not expect people to want to do something with you and ask and be rejected. You know, so it's better just to say, just to start off saying no, basically, like, I'm not even going to bother asking. I'm just going to do my own thing and take what comes rather than put myself out there time and time again, which I learned in the first two weeks of this place just isn't going to work for me. Yeah, I think like in terms of like survival instinct and just like understanding how the world works, so to speak, within the school, she's really clever and like obviously has all of these tricks so to speak of ways to survive or to manage her own expectations about what like the societal or social hierarchy or whatever it did make me feel a little sorry for her though like when she just got so excited about the couple of like actual friends she makes that was really precious because I feel like you were saying you know from a young age she kind of has it drilled into her that she's an other to the point of like, I think at one point she mentions how her regular like mundane schooling life was such that she expected it to be different once she got here and that it wasn't, got, she was like, well, better prepared, I guess, for yeah. dealing with it there at this school because she'd experienced it. But it was really like heartbreaking to know that she'd hoped that there would be a difference yeah, I think she she just hoped there'd be other others basically yeah. that they could they could bond together, you know, find your find your weird friends. People. <laughs> yeah. And that was the thing I think I liked most about this book was her survival skills mm-hmm. and her smarts. And that just to see how different she was and how much she had to do in order to survive, basically because she was on her own. And she talks about how she can't shower except for like once a week because you always have to have somebody watching your back because you never know they call not victoria or mouse for short and they're like the creatures that are coming to get them and this school is just loaded with them because they are drawn to mana and the kids especially the younger magicians are just spewing mana out of them and aren't as aggressive or able to combat these mouse so they're kind of like they think easy pickings that was one thing that i found really strange about the whole book and story in general was just that like it's fucking dangerous to be a magic user like so what is the mortality rate pretty freaking high not even just at the school but like in the world it just yeah. it was such an interesting look at magic i mean i think that was the the biggest difference to me between like harry potter and hunter and stuff is like this is very the stakes were higher and that you could feel that at, at a few points I was like, all right, there's like mouths everywhere. Like it's getting a little old, but at the same time, it, how else are you going to represent that? Yeah. And it was, it was just interesting because we just kept meeting more and more of them as we went. It was like, Hey, you think you're safe here? No, this will come yeah. out of the drains or this like razor sharp thing is hiding in a book or this snail thing that is just innocuous, but will eventually come in like eat you or the, lice that burrows into your brain and turns you into a zombie there was it wasn't just the big bad you know chimera that you expect or you hear of in the first chapter it's like these tiny you know microorganisms that can also screw you up and the 
they like hide that was something i thought was interesting about like even just her room her dorm room like she has certain tricks that she uses to prevent like the little mouths from getting at her or her from stealing her stuff and like all these little things that i feel like i wasn't entirely sure if other students were having the same problems as she was well, we see that she was that they weren't with Orion and how he just like kind of goes about his life, but he's got he all the power. It really seemed like a special beast yeah. though, compared to like the other students. Yeah, it seems like they stay away from him. But it was funny to see that juxtaposition early on where like she's like, you know, you have to check every doorway like three times, like you're on the SWAT team, and he's just like, whoop, 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 let me walk in here, let me grab these things. I'm having a great time. I'll do what she's I like, want. She's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, that's insane. <laughs> Uh, so I did enjoy that. And like like you're saying, her little survival tricks, the like bolting all her tools to the top of her chest. So like yeah. when she lifts it, she could see, you know, if any of them have Very turned mimic or not. Like right. it, was, uh, it was super, like I said, I think that was the thing I enjoyed the most. And we'll get into the, how she portrayed magic more. But that was kind of like, I thought, what made this book different. Um, yes. Between that and the setting, which... Mm-hmm was i think obviously the thing that set this apart because this oh yeah for not sure. like anything i'd ever seen or heard did you look at the map on I the did. cover before you started um yeah i did look at the map um i don't remember why i looked there i think maybe i was like how long is this book and i was going to the see the the page numbers and i was like wow this is a really involved drawing and like super fun i like stuff like this in general like my not that I draw anything like this at work, but like I'm used to looking at structural drawings and stuff. It's been a minute, but it was just fun to read the little call outs and notes and stuff. Yeah, it was uh, kind of a holy shit moment, though. Like, A, how did she come up with this brainchild of a school? And B, the fact that like it's effectively sentient <laughs> yeah. is mind blowing. Yeah, so it's super cool. And that, I just flipping the cover, just having it right there on the back of the front cover uh, is genius because that kind of draws your eyes. You're not kind of flipping through it, missing it in the first pages. It really draws your eyes to it. So the setting of the book, as we were saying, it's called uh, School of Ants and it's an all-inclusive magic school created in the void to help protect some children while they're vulnerable to monsters in their teen years. So what did you think of this setting uh, and and was it easy for you to visualize or did you struggle with that? So I thought the setting was really cool. Again, I think mostly because like the sentient aspect of it and how like there are no teachers or professors or whatever. The school is basically like big brother style spying on all the students and yeah. knowing where they're at in their studies and whether or not their assignments are getting done and stuff. So that was like a little sketchy, but also a little on the nose with like our own culture in terms of the spying aspect. I I definitely did have to a couple of times refer back to the cross section, especially when they were talking about how like the levels change closer to graduation so that the like graduating class is closer to the bottom. It just yeah. the whole thing, like how it functioned was like an engineering feat that made very little sense to me. Um, but I appreciate that she went into detail that like you didn't get drowned in it. But you also got enough that you were like, okay, like I can, I can get there. Maybe it's a little bit of a stretch or whatever. And that I think was what was helpful about having that, that image at the back to reference. Otherwise, I think I would have had a harder time getting there. (laughs) Yeah, I think I just needed that basic out. I mean, it's not a basic outline. It's very detailed, but like I needed just a basic outline. So I know what I'm looking at 
overall. Okay, so like here it is, it's this giant circle. Okay, cool. Levels, sounds great. I can work with that. So I think I struggled with it, kind of the book I touched on last episode, The House of Suns by Alistair Reynolds, where like he would be like, oh, the ships were like 26 uh, kilometers long. And I was like, that's way too big. I can't visualize that. Yeah. Schoolman's kind of gave me a bit of that where they're like, oh, you know, you go the wrong way. You catch a stairwell. It's like a quarter mile back to your dorm room the wrong way or something like that. Or, you know, the fact that there was like three or 5,000 kids or something like that in something there. Insane. Yeah. Like that blows my mind when you're thinking of that cafeteria. Cause like, that's the back one for me is the cafeteria. And when I looked at that at the end, I was like, Oh, that's gotta be really big. If all those kids are basically in there all at once, like they do little shifting, but at one yeah. point it sounds like they're all kind Everyone's of in there. there at once. Yeah. So there, it says that there are 1600 individual dormitory rooms. Okay, man, I thought they said something about there being so many more kids, but I don't know. There's also, I thought something about how, like, sometimes a dorm room can, like, eat another dorm room and become bigger. That (laughs) could also be just on that level, like, maybe 1,600 or something. Oh, sure. Okay, yeah, that would make Um, sense. Each level has 1,600 dorm rooms. But that was that was the thing I liked the best was the rooms just kind of like because the whole point of this school is people are going to die here. So yeah. as those numbers get weeded out, your room maybe grows, you know, Lucky you, right? I, how weird would that be if you're just like laying in bed, you wake up the next day and that wall's like suddenly five <laughs> feet away. It's like, yes, my oh, neighbor died. Yeah, I guess Jack went away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was something that I thought was like just a little rough around the edges and maybe like what made it so much more adult feeling was that it was a normal thing for people to be just like straight up dying not necessarily in mass but like every day at least probably at least one person is dying and I the school itself how it was built or developed or whatever like for the enclave kids so like the elite children and as a place to protect them but then it was like oh well it's not really working well so like let's have everybody else come in and like the non-enclave or like the plebeian kids can just be cannon fodder and I just felt like that was a little it was yeah on the nose heavy-handed to the point where like unremarkable because it really happens yeah (laughs) maybe not in those those exact ways but that's a normal Yeah, you can see where that idea came from. And they do say at one point when the school originally opened, it was like a 40% uh, survival rate for the Enclave kids. And then when they decided to let everybody in, it became like an 80% survival rate for those kids. And again, they basically started using magic shields, but also people shields where they're like, hey, maybe we'll give you something on the outside if you protect me here and then like push them aside and run out the doors before they could help them. So it quickly became obvious why this book is called A Deadly Education. (laughs) There was no question in your mind as you're reading it. So I did like that. And again, just with the whole everything was something that big. It makes sense that somebody would die basically every day because there's so much room to cover and there's so many nooks and crannies. And when you're dealing with, like we said, kind of things that can squeeze themselves so small, they're kind of like, no matter what they do with their wards and all that stuff, she talks about how they're always coming through the vents, through the air vents, through the water drains, all that stuff. Like you just never know what you're going to get every day. And again, for her, for Elle to survive and have those three years of survival skills kind of leading us through that as we go, I thought was really really cool uh and i can't imagine going through that i think we all like to believe we could survive on a desert island or something like that when we're in danger but 
yeah for her it's like you she's she's got like two shirts she like crochets her blanket she like trades for half a blanket later so she can make maybe a third shirt like it's crazy to see how resourceful she was and uh it just shows you once again or me once again that there's no fucking way I could do that oh no I would a hundred percent not be able to survive the school of man's like even a little bit yeah even with plenty of people <laughs> oh and like now, like you were saying, her resourcefulness, I think, was what made her extra endearing. Because, like, obviously the school, I don't want to say that it's out to get the students, but it definitely doesn't, like, help them all that much. Yeah. And that she is doing all of this by herself and knowing that everybody else has friends, at least friends, if not actual allies. And that was kind of what drew us in and i think it's the same story that we always fall for where if you have that other if you have that kind of lovable underdog that that's what you're going for and i think uh, novik did really well to portray that while also showing that she was strong like it was like okay yes. she, she doesn't get all the benefits but also she's strong enough that she survived on her own with kind of a little help here and there but also she gets those helps from adia uh or lou because she kind of she she figures out things they need to like she uses her resourcefulness to be like okay if i grab this i can trade with her and like or remembering that these relationships have to be beneficial for both of them in order for them to keep going so that allows her to have these little moments of a little bit more safety where she can take a shower or something like that yeah the relationship she had with the two of them like when they were first kind of i don't know gaining ground with each other it was just so cute because she was so excited to just have people that she could that she could ask for help or people that could be her allies. It was just really cute. Yeah, I did enjoy that. So the next thing I wanted to talk about was Novik's portrayal of magic and the rules of magic that she used and what you thought of that. If there was anything that really stood out to you as we were getting into kind of the supernatural side of things for this book other than the school obviously the i think this the thing that stood out to me the most was the the mouths and just how they were everywhere i i, I think from a an imagination standpoint like really well done on novik's part like things that did make sense from a like other things i've read and seen you know the bigger the bigger mouths totally track and I, I can recognize that from sort of other lore, I guess. Um, but the little ones, having those be really like, I think a lot of them were quite clever in that they weren't necessarily something that I've heard of or seen before, but then also just how frequently they show up in unex unexpected places for me, obviously not for Elle, she knew to expect them. But I just think that that was like, sort of the un unseen side of of magic and magic users that this book really ran with i guess yeah i appreciated that it just highlighted kind of what we've been talking about with l where these mouths were resourceful you know where and where they hid how they did how they attacked how they waited all this different stuff like they were very resourceful they were very um they were very patient they were very opportunistic and I, I appreciated that. Yeah, sneaky. I, I really appreciated that. I, I felt like that was a nice theme to have throughout the book, both for our hero and I guess you call them our villains, the the bad guys, the the mouse. But for me, 
the thing I didn't really appreciate about this book or didn't find interesting was it seemed like it was cookie cutter for the magic side of things where it was like mana has a cost, you know, like you've heard that so many times. It's like, you have to build that some way. And I will say, I think that her way of gaining mana was a little bit different where like you had to like physically or emotionally exert yourself. So that was nice, but like just the whole kind of her rules of magic and kind of those like combat spells and things like that that you hear about, that I felt was pretty cookie cutter. So like when I first started it, that's what you're dealing with. That your background is a lot of the rules of magic and a lot of that stuff. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of like, how are you going to be different here? And then with your monster of the week setup of your chapters, that's kind of where I started being like, oh, okay, this is this is where you focused your energy. So you you basically used what other people have done with magic as your foundation and you put your time into the bad guys or, or whatever. So that spin on it. Yeah. So as, as you're getting into that, I definitely enjoyed that more and saw the creativity more. And it was just one of those things where like you see School of Mance at the beginning and you think, okay, this is going to be really unique, right? And then you're kind of going over the rules of magic and you're saying, okay, this isn't unique. Like what, what makes this different? And unfortunately, any book that deals with the school of magic is going to be compared to Harry Potter at this point, right or wrong, however you feel. So as you're getting into that, I'm like, okay, cool idea on the school. Why are we doing this with the magic? Why didn't you put more thought into that? And that's like, oh, okay. Cause that comes later uh, with all, with all the bad things. So like I said, it was a mixed bag for me, but I was really happy. And that's something I had to think about after too, because when I first wrote this question, I was like, cookie cutter. That's how I felt. And then I was like, is a siren spider a real thing? And like I D&D beyond it, not in D&D, you know, it's like, okay, that makes that makes sense. Like what's a mom mouth? Okay, okay, okay all right, that's where that's where the time and effort went in. Yeah, the mom mouth was sort of excruciatingly detailed. Um, <laughs> but I do like the, the magic portion of things and the like building mana and stuff felt very video game to me like you like Elle would have like a little bar at the top of her screen and it would be like you have to you know like that and I get your point to the cookie cutter aspect and I do feel like that's probably not where she put her energies with I think good reason because all the mouths are pretty cool and the way that that is depicted I think is more impactful maybe um, I did, though, appreciate how the spells that these students were learning, it was so, the school itself, it's just like such self-directed learning. It's yeah. just funny, like comparing it to like real school and how unlikely people would be to succeed because so often, I mean, like I had this when I was in college, I never skipped a class in college because I'm fucking paying for it. I'm going to go to my classes or somebody's paying for it. I'm going to go to my <laughs> classes. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. just never understood why people were there and not utilizing it. Right. And I feel like this is a situation where like, if you don't utilize it, you don't learn things and then you die. Yeah. Um, And like sort of the importance of, of learning your lessons and and doing well on your lessons is like pretty dire consequences if you not even if you fail just if you like don't learn a spell or if, if the school gives you a spell that's not useful or whatever and it also just piles on so if you're behind it keeps piling on and your only option is to catch up or you will eventually be off guard and a mal will get you and like you were saying earlier the school knows that it's got to feed x amount of kids to itself so it's not always helping you uh it's definitely trying to throw some some traps and other things in your way 
such a rude school such a rude school and the, the other thing that you talked about that made me think of was the fact that their room has one wall that is into the mm. void was super cool so yeah. they could just you know ask for a book the book would come okay that one's not helpful throw it back ask for another book uh i just really appreciated that kind of visual as you're just i mean it must be fucking terrifying because oh once my you're... god like how do you get a good night's sleep knowing that the void is right there like... right and once you're in you don't get a breath of fresh air for four years or i mean we never really talk about how long terms are Ain't so no hopefully windows. it's just a year yeah. yeah so you're that's just staring out into that abyss i would definitely go crazy Oh, for sure. And then how she like at some point later on touches on how the void could like you can get dead or you can get crazy. Yeah. If you don't die, you get in there and it's the void. I mean, like understandably so. But I just appreciate that 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 was a thing, the void in each student's room, but how it was also like a tool and it was misused by some students and I just I feel like while I agree about the whole like mana building and magic using and so forth side of things the like bad shit side of things she did such a good job yeah she really focused on that I think the more you think about it the more you're just like yeah that is that is different oh that is yeah that's yeah. fucked up that's a little fucked up yeah. pretty messed up yeah, yeah. Uh, so our last question before spoilers uh, deals with the Ryan Lake parentheses our manly man savior what did you make of him early on in the book as we literally see her him save her life in the first chapter and she you know realizes that she needs to kill him so the first life-saving extravaganza gave me like hardcore like disney hero man vibes like guest <laughs> on yeah, like guess well, no, Gaston can go fuck himself. Uh, more like Hercules, where he oh, like, like a good uh, hero. Sorry, like I thought you meant the bravado. Hero. Yeah, yeah. No, no, because I don't think that's the thing that I liked about Orion is that he was almost as reclusive or lonely or whatever as L, but he's in the spotlight, and it's not because he wants to be in the spotlight. He's just like really fucking good at killing mouths and really likes doing it because he gets mana from it. So he does it a lot. And he, I mean, I think he, he has a lot of feelings and I appreciate that about a dude or about anyone. Cause I also have a lot of feelings, but he's in this position where there are certain things that are expected of him. And he has certain sort of like moral code almost of like things that he thinks is the right thing to do and doesn't necessarily think about the consequences as we find out later, but yeah. neither here nor there. I think that his yeah his first like foray into well us meeting him at first i was like mm, buddy's coming in with like massive hercules style like i know what i'm doing but then is actually like a sad sad boy and uh, yeah i i don't know i overall i really liked orion it was interesting to see again start to finish on orion without getting too spoilery but it, it was interesting because our first how we see him at the beginning is through Elle's eyes, mm. right? And for me, I'm like, okay, savior complex much? Like, I've got to help everyone and I'm going to like, yeah, I'm not going to sleep because I've got to save everyone because these people can't save themselves. And then you kind of learn more about him and you learn like, it's almost like you can't shut that off. Like he's not doing it so people will love him. No. He's doing it because that's just what he does. He's and, like driven to that. And like he he carries every death that happens, quote unquote, on his watch, which is just insane. And that, what was interesting was 
else sees him surrounded by the New York enclave and sees everyone drooling over him and all that. And it's like, he's so popular. He has all these friends and he's like everything that I'm not. He gets everything so easy to him. He's got that mana sharing bracelet so he can pull from whatever he wants and all this. And as the story goes on, as she kind of gets ingratiated into that through this weird friendship that she's building with him, she realizes that it's not, it's like the, the typical story. It's not as grass, the grass is not as green on that <laughs> side of the fence either. So or it's not what it seems like on, right. on the surface. It's not even at all what is really going on. And that I really appreciated because it, it made me like him more as we read mm-hmm. because that my first impression of him, because she even says, she's like, I could have used that spell to like save a bit of that, whatever the first mal is. And then I could have given it to Adia and she could have made yeah. like a floating light to go between our doors that would have helped keep Mal's away at night. But instead he just came in and blew it up. And now I've got, I spent the next three hours <laughs> trying to find a cleaning <laughs> spell yeah. and my room stinks, you know, and it's like, I'm going to kill him because I don't want him to think that like he can keep saving me or whatever. So I did appreciate the growth of Orion as we went through the book um, and kind of seeing that he was also struggling in in his own way like he was he's the person that yeah he's the person you don't think about who is um who's lonely because they're always surrounded by people so I I really appreciated that representation that he had the other thing with him was we see how he is so committed to, mm. to, to finding out the Malia. So in this world, you can use mana, which is good that you build on your own, or you can use Malia, which is you sucking life force out of other people or other, or other living things. objects mm-hmm. and other things. And it can be as small as like kind of the wood in your bedpost. And it can or be as- my, Or mice. Or mice, or it can be a person. So they have a, what they call malefactors or something like that, that- is is doing damage around the in the corridors or sorry in the dorm and orion believes that it is l after they first talk because he's asking about the death of louisa and she's just blowing it off like you're you're an idiot all this stuff get away from me but because she knows what's really going on that if you are the one who tattles on the a mal uh they're gonna get you yeah on a malia user they're gonna get you so she doesn't want to be seen that way anyway what happens she ends up getting seen anyway by i forget his name now but she gets attacked thinking that it's orion coming back to her room instead she gets a knife in the gut and he has to save her again and this becomes kind of a repeating storyline throughout is him counting how many times he has to save her as this survival guard and guide that she's had all along seems to get chipped away the more time she spends with orion lake and as things get more and more dangerous so overall, I think with Orion, it was really just about our first perception of him and then getting to know him, which I think is kind of not always how it works in books. So I, I do like when that comes up where the first hint of somebody you're given isn't actually how they play out in the end. I also appreciated how at the beginning when we first met him, the discussion or whatever is very much about how different he is from L. You know, he's just like got everything perfect magic boy and she is not and then it turns out they're actually like quite similar in terms of their personalities i guess and i think that that's just real fresh it's like the layer of the onion you just gotta peel them back so before we get into spoilers we have your get to know your podcaster moment so 
We've touched on this a little bit, but in order to gain and store mana, Elle needs to do physical or mental activities that her body finds stressing or frustrating. So for her, it is push-ups and knitting, things along that nature. I was wondering what some of your activities would be to create and store mana. Definitely just like pretty much any crafting where I think it's going to go well. And then it's just hella frustrating the whole time. I think I could, I could sop up some good mana from that for sure. Um, candle making, especially because it was like such a long process. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if the more wine you drink, the less mana you gain. <laughs> oh, well, so here's the thing. When I was doing my candle project, I wasn't necessarily, I mean, I guess I was drinking wine at the time, but I had already drunk all the bottles of wine. Yeah. I just needed to cut them. That was also frustrating. Oh my God. That would actually be a really good mana storing activity. Cause like my arms, like my muscles on my back were really sore. Like, cause I had to hold the bottle. It's like, one of those weird tasks where you're holding something like not heavy at all, but you're holding it out in this weird position. And then your whole body is sore for days yeah. because of this one little thing for an extended period of time, that would be perfect mana storing. And it was really, really frustrating. It's like putting it in hot water, putting it in cold water, and then it won't break for a million years. <laughs> for me, my first one I put down was reading Gork. Just do that. Oh my God. <laughs> you would get so many crystals super easy just read gork over and over again that would be hellish like i don't think that would be, be no i was gonna say that would be mana i don't want <laughs> um my next one i was thinking of physical things and uh, this is the reason i bought a truck with a plow i used to have to shovel the driveway and yeah. <laughs> my driveway it's not what you would picture as a usable driveway so that I mean, we had, <laughs> but I think my usual was about five hours um, on it. Good and, God. Yeah, there was, um, when we got like a foot of snow or something like that, it took me two days. And I was like, I think, I mean, I was a younger man then, then, but uh, I was pretty sure I was going to have a heart attack at like 26. Like what happened? Well, he shoveled his driveway. <laughs> um, That's hilarious and sad in equal parts. Um, But I also feel you because yesterday... Or was it the day? I don't know. One point, um, I'd taken the dog outside. She was on a leash and she got like a little bit of the zoomies. So I was like running around with her and I ran maybe like 10, 20 steps. And I was like, <clears throat> I, I am. That was some good mana activity. It was definitely like physical labor, but it really wasn't. It was just I'm old. I remember like 10 years ago, we played capture the flag at camp. And I, at one point I was sprinting and I was like, this is the first time I've sprinted in probably seven years. And I haven't done it since. Will not well, go I mean, that checks out. Running yeah. is so stupid. I mean, power to all of you people who like running for fun. It is not a thing I enjoy. I can, <laughs> Lee will tell you this, the thing, she knows the three things that I hate which one is now not true, but running, math, and fish. <laughs> and running is still quite high on that list of things to hate. I just don't understand why people do it. I'll walk all day. I will walk for a long... That would be a good mana-storing activity because, like, it's physical exertion, but it'd be something that I don't hate. You know? It would be like a win-win. But she does talk about the more you do it, the more you have to do as your right. body gets used to it, like it used to be she could do 25 pushups. Now she has to do 100 or something like that. So. Which I guess from a like cookie cutter standpoint, I do appreciate that there is that layer of 
added difficulty. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm sure she doesn't appreciate it, but I thank you, Naomi Novik, for making something not quite so boring. That would uh, be the ultimate upsetting thing if it was a video game. Like, I did all the push-ups, why do I have to do more push-ups? The last one I did that I actually thought of this morning was picking wax beans. Because I, when I was a kid, we had a huge garden and I cried one day instead of fixing, picking wax beans. And like I say, I was a kid, I was probably 11 or 12. It's embarrassing. So I won't eat beans, like very rarely, maybe once a year. And whenever I go over to Amanda's dad's house, he's always Barry like, is over here losing his shit over that story. <laughs> oh, whenever I go to Amanda's dad's, he won't make beans. He goes, oh, we're going to have beans, but I knew Russ was coming. Like, ah. appreciate, it. appreciate it. Fuck wax beans. They're not worth it. All right. So with that, uh, <laughs> with that, us complaining about things we don't want to do <laughs> or that we do poorly, we're going to move into spoilers. So uh, here's your song. This is the pot that we're going into spoilers. If you don't know the book, get out. Because this is the pot that we're going into spoilers. It's time to learn what School of Mance is all about in spoilers. And I will say the one thing we haven't really touched on with this book is it was very much just a story. So this was actually, I think, the shortest spoilers I've ever written. So folks, sit back for the next 30 seconds as we get through this. The school year continues with increasingly more and more attacks of Mal's on students, with Orion saving the day most of the time. Orion and Elle are basically attached at the hip, which makes everyone believe they are dating, which raises Elle's status from zero to hero as people begin trying to get close to her and be her friend just to get closer to Orion. Some members of the New York Enclave see her as a threat, though, and make a few attempts at her life, which are thwarted. With graduation of the senior class coming up, friction between them and the juniors is at an all-time high. Because of how many lives Orion has saved, the Mal's in the graduation hall have become hungrier and more desperate. The ones that can have slipped through the cracking defenses and made it into the school proper, but the biggest and scariest await the seniors when they will be left to defeat them before they can leave. To try and appease everyone without a massive slaughter, a plan is devised to send a small group into the graduation hall early in order to fix the cleansing mechanism that is supposed to run before graduation day to clean out the mouths, but has been working for over a century. A group of top seniors volunteer for it, once a spot at almost any enclave is guaranteed for their effort, along with Orion and Elle. The group makes their way into the hall, and although it is more difficult and takes 10 to 20 times longer than expected, they manage to fix the cleansing mechanism, or at least believe they do, and escape with only two casualties. Once back in the stairwell, Orion and Elle have to make a mad dash back up to their dorm before the biannual cleansing fires come to kill all the mouths hiding throughout the school. They don't make it all the way up and instead get stuck in the hallway of the shop's level. With the cleansing fire closing in on them and the thought of death imminent, Orion kisses Elle and she realizes that he has been trying to date her all along. She knees him in the balls in order to free her hands and mouth so she can cast her own ring of mortal flames to use as a fire break around them and save their lives. After they are saved, the two are separated when a large mass of students find them still in the hall and want to hear all about their adventure. Elle goes back to her room to recoup and eventually meets up with her two friends to recap the day. Orion makes his way to the room hours later and the two have a conversation agreeing to remain friends and wait until they graduate next year to decide whether there is something between them. They then head to the cafeteria where the induction of new freshmen is underway and Elle is surprised when one of the incoming freshmen has a note for her from her mother. This reveals the secret of her parentage and the book ends with the note's last line warning her to keep away from Orion Lake. Bom, bom, bom. This was a great 
ending for a cliffhanger kind of like it wasn't a huge cliffhanger but something to keep you wanting you to keep going where you're like oh fuck that's exactly the opposite of what i thought would happen so we almost got through this without our strong female lead not having a love interest what did you think of orion and Elle's relationship as it went along and where it finished um i appreciated that it was mostly focused on mutual benefit in terms of like hunting, well, staying alive, hunting mouths, whatever. And then once she discovered that he was a lonely boy, like she was lonely, that she kind of looked at him in a different light. I do think that she was right to recognize that everybody else thought that they were dating. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought it was cute and stereotypical that Orion didn't notice that that was what everybody else noticed. But I, yeah, I mean, I guess I appreciated that it wasn't taken immediately to some romantic side of things, which totally checks out. Cause like they've said a few times how it doesn't make sense to have romantic relationships inside the school. I mean, her parents um, situation being the ultimate <laughs> reasoning. Yeah. But I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I guess I appreciated that once he realized that she wasn't the Maleficer, is that what we decided it was? That he respected her abilities and wanted to spend time with her because she was the sarcastic bitch about things and nobody else was like that. And yeah, I just, I liked their budding friendship. I don't really know that I care for it to be romantic. But yeah, I don't know. I like their friendship first, obviously. I almost rather it wouldn't. I get that in that moment of we're going to die anyway. Let in that just moment, kiss totally you. checks out. Sure. And I love that she fucking knees him in the balls and we're Amazing. inside of her head as she's like, I can't, I can't cast if your mouth is on my mouth. Like, why are you yeah, holding we need my to, hands? I need, we need that. to live. <laughs> yeah. You're being an idiot. Fuck off. I'm going to knee you in the balls. Fucking hilarious. Uh, I did like their friendship more. I really appreciated that Orion was drawn to her and it made sense. Again, we learned more about him. He's drawn to her because he she treats him like a person and she's not just hero worshiping and oh my God. And like, you know. Trying to use him to get to an enclave or whatever. Exactly. She She's just saying like, Lake, you're a fucking idiot. Fuck off kind of situation. And also but you're a moron. That to him, so of and course like, he loves it. And like every time he runs off, she's like, you're a fucking idiot. Like, where are you going? And, you know, when they're coming up with the plan and he's like, I'll just do it. She kicks him in the knee, knock him back down in the chair. She's like, would you shut up? Like, stop jumping I, to save the day. That's the thing I also appreciated about their friendship. Like he was, he enjoyed being around her because he, she treated him differently than everybody else does. But I also think that she very much recognized that he is a person and that he has, he needs people to look out for him too. Like a few times where she was basically like, I'm not going to let you do this alone or I'm not going to let you make this choice. I, it's just like really quality friendship back and forth tete-a-tete yeah and I, I, that's what i liked about it and that's one of those ones where you look at that i think if, if it's happening in real life half the time that people say well we don't want to ruin what we have you know by by seeing if there's something romantic here what i really appreciated about it was she found so much more strength in herself by being around him you know she had mentioned numerous times that as she was growing up with her mother you know because of everything she was being attacked by mouse all the time because they were out on their own in their little yurt and her mother it was her mother's job to save them and even though she's this powerful wizard her specialty is healing so like she was basically just doing shields to save them and they would like cry through the night trying to survive these attacks 
And she finds that strength in her where everything is handed to her on a platter. She can have any enclave she wants. She's got New York and Dubai and London all fighting over her because they all think that she'll bring Orion with her. And she realized that she doesn't want anything to do with these people. And then you see the building of her character where now Adia and Lou, who have been giving her those scraps and everything like that, uh, and not avoiding her, but also kind of, it was that mutual respect of like, I will use you when I can use you and maybe I'll throw you a bone here and there. She brings them along too. Mm -hmm. And they see that and they respect that. And that's what really allows their friendship to grow where she even talks about it, where she's like, I threw out the word friend, like jokingly to Lou. And then if like, it doesn't work out, I can just be like, oh, it was a joke. And then she's <laughs> like, she didn't scoff at it. Oh my God. Like it, that was, yeah. as you were saying earlier, just really precious as she's realizing she now has people around her. That she can rely on. And I am like really excited for the sort of seeds that were planted about starting their own enclave. Which yeah. like, I, I mean, Naomi's writing, I love, I mean, Tamarare series is a gem. I mean, the, yeah, I just, I think that she does a really good job. I think she's well-versed in series. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to see where that goes because like the whole strong female lead, but then also strong female lead gathering other strong females to buck the system i'm so here for like creating an enclave that is maybe going to operate differently than other enclaves and i mean i don't know if that's where they're gonna where she's gonna take this but i could see that going in that direction and i love it and i appreciated that she recognized that adia who's a great artificer has an opportunity to go other places and like when they talk about you know they finally form their alliance between the three of them and she says, you know, there's complications now that she never thought about where when she volunteers for the mission uh, to go into the graduation hall, she's like, oh, technically, I could be dragging them in with me or, you know, they could be mad at me for putting myself out there like it affects our alliance. And I've never had to think of these things before. And she like has that moment where she kind of lets Adi off the hook by being like, whatever she said so it was like hey i'm not going to fault you for not wanting to come as long as you don't fault me for realizing that i have to go with orion like somebody needs to be there to watch his back who actually has his interests in uh, in mind uh, and i i think that the alliance that she has with the two of them is just like really strong because it's based on not just mutual what can i get from these people but mutual respect, like they they actually care about each other. And I feel like I got the impression that so often was the case that these people are all involved in an enclave primarily for their own gain, which granted the school such as it is kind of breeds that attitude. So I get it. But I also appreciate that these these three and I guess four, if you count Orion, really have each other's best interests their own too but it's sort of like a how can we mutually benefit each other rather than just how can i get my own and i think i appreciate too that like adia has seen her power she's the one that kind of puts two and two together and realizes that l has taken out a mom elf by herself which she then researches Bonkers. and finds out that like 10 of the greatest uh adult magicians had done it once to like get an enclave back and they lost like two or three or whatever people in the happening of it and she just did it all by herself now she's sapped 
80% of her mana storage and her crystals, but she was able to survive. And that is just another sign of just who she is, where she knew she could just let that go and it would devour freshmen. It wouldn't really affect her, uh, but she was not willing to turn her back on that. And I think that's going back to the original point of she's been told since she was five years old that she's this terrible person, this all powerful, terrible person. That's her fighting that and bucking that system where she's saying, no, I'm going I need to do this and, and believing that she can, I think a little bit because she's been told she'll burn the world down. So if she can burn a whole city, why couldn't she destroy a mom out? So that was interesting. And, and how Adia puts that all together is, is interesting as well. And I just, again, I appreciate, as you were saying, kind of strong female lead finds other strong female characters in our story and brings them together. I always appreciate a story where it's, there's not like the stereotypical like female cattiness like people working against each other like that's just always something I appreciate. I also like in regards to the mom specifically that once Adia like realized that she had done this she wasn't like well you need to tell everyone like it needs to be a th-, you know I think that there was an understanding that sort of like what Elle had had where she tries to tell people no one's going to believe her because it's not the norm. But Adia understands because like you said, she recognizes the power that Elle actually has. And I think the only other person that might is uh, Orion and maybe the people that she was working with when they made the wall. Yeah. Afterwards. Yeah. What's her face from the New York enclave who Chloe. I, yeah, Chloe. I, um, I'm on the fence still about her, but I feel like she's turning a corner for the better. Um, But I think that that would be something like a normal student, in air quotes, would maybe go around tooting their own horn that they've done this thing. And maybe people would believe them, maybe they wouldn't. But I think with Elle, there's this hesitancy to do that because it almost like wouldn't necessarily be biting off more than she can chew but it would be opening up a can of worms that like she wouldn't necessarily be ready to show people the power and you know when she was talking about doing something to show people like when she was trying when when the mom thing happened she was heading towards the library like oh this is exactly the opportunity that i could use to show people that i am powerful and whatever a force to be reckoned with but then it was not to be the case and she was like maybe this is a good thing that it wasn't an option and i did appreciate that too for the point you're making about adia putting it together with the wall building and everything like that and how she just saw those things but also with the mirror you know when when it's her and adia and orion who who build this mirror that she has to do and they agree to help her out at first And yeah, they thought it was Orion at first, but then she's like, no, that wouldn't have been Orion. And she realizes the amount of force she had to put on that to keep it still or whatever. And she, what I appreciate about it is it shows a flaw in Orion, right? Or or at least he hasn't told us that he knows how powerful she is, which I would kind of believe because he keeps thinking he has to save her, where if he knew how powerful she was, he may think or feel differently about that as she keeps showing it more and more throughout the story. So I really loved that Adia is the one that put it together. Again, it makes sense because she's a super smart artificer and that's like her brain is her skill where Orion is, you know, he's not an idiot, but maybe there's other things happening in front of him that he's just not grasping onto because he's, you know, just out here saving the day. Flexing his muscles. Yeah. yeah. And and he's seeing her a different way. So I really appreciated that somebody put it together and that it made sense how they put it together uh, with that as well. 
I I just like the Adia, Lou, and L trio. I just I can't. I do, I have so so much love for. Yeah, it's just it's equal parts awesome in that like there are three powerful people like really putting their proverbial heads together and probably gonna get some cool shit done but then also like they're just like the moment after the I guess it was after graduation when they're back in her room and like they're talking about I just had this like envisioning this little like girly sleepover thing where they're talking about how Orion kissed her and it's just like yeah I was in the little moment when they Orion comes to the door and they leave. And I think it's Adia says something yeah. about like the, the Mal in his pants. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just so funny. Like, and just really it brought it back to them being kids, which right. I think like was something that not that I'd forgotten because they pointed out a lot, but it brought it down from being such a heavy death everywhere kind of thing. And it also brought it a little bit out of that fantasy. I mean, yes, they're at yeah. a, a school in the void that eats children, but you know, also they're still humans. they're just like us, yeah, uh, sort of. Uh, and the other thing too with their alliance and with Lou, what I really appreciated is how she oh. recognizes that L knows that she was playing around in Malia, that she had snuck in those mice to kind of do that. And like she even and says- She doesn't want to anymore and that it would be easier for her to do it, but she's not. She's going to take the hard way. And I love that. And she says it's from outside pressure from her family or like even Elle kind of mentions that, but that was kind of her way of maybe being able to survive is that her parents were forcing that on her. Yeah. And then they have that total honest moment between the group where it's like, I don't really have any mana stored. It's like, okay, we have- have our work set out for us you know yeah and then and then she was like i want to train you some mice familiars and <laughs> yeah. i was like oh my god yes <laughs> that was so cute i was like get everybody in on this enclave with mice familiars yeah it was i their their everything was very so precious cute. so i did so appreciate cute. that l grew stronger rather than changing because of what yes. was happening around here with orion where the easier course would have been I'm just going to lean into an enclave and then leave these Especially people behind or whatever. Because when she starts out with things, I think that was her goal too. I thought she understood that of herself, that she wanted to reach some kind of agreement with some enclave, like maybe not yep. New York, whatever. Like she had a couple of quote unquote options in her mind, but then was sort of like, you know what? fuck this and i love that yeah it's just adding strength to her like i've been doing it myself oh, yeah. for three years i'm gonna keep doing it my own way I yeah don't... and you do you, i mean with her trying to kill her it shows just more like it's you can't trust those people like why would you leave people that you could trust that you've built that relationship with for people like yeah sure a higher standing but what is that really yeah gonna get well and that's something that i appreciate when she confronted chloe about what's his mag what's his face magnus magnus, magnus okay. yeah. when he tried to set that thing on her and how chloe sort of like i don't know i appreciate when somebody on the bad guy's side isn't necessarily all bad or has sort of like the the rosy colored glasses removed yeah about their own situation and i mean granted it could all be a ruse i don't know but yeah. at the same time i love that sort of character shift character growth sort of like redemptive thing with bad guys especially a bad guy that i feel like has 
a connection. I also found it odd in the back of the book how they had a little visual of Elle's room and a little visual of Chloe's room. And I was like, well, Chloe, at the beginning, like when we first started reading it, I was like, Chloe Schmoe, like who cares? Yeah. And then I was like, well, this clearly matters somehow or else they wouldn't be showing her room. And then I did also want to see like uh, Adia Lou's room. Because- well, that's that's what I thought was weird. And I think the, the biggest point it's putting across is just the, the privilege. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and like all the things she has there that things could hide in and all that and how just those kids don't have to worry about it because they can drop yeah. a mana from their enclave and have a shield up all night and it's not a big deal. Yeah, like Chloe's room <laughs> has like all these like homey comforts. Elle's room is like utilitarian only. And she Chloe's talks- room has like a covering over the void, which I think is interesting and totally what I would do too because fuck. Um <laughs> But yeah, like you said, there's just all these places where bad things can be hiding. And then Elle's room is like Spartan. And Elle even tells us how like she took apart the shelf or their desk or something to make a shelf. Like she she basically created her room so there's less room for things to hide because the cookie cutter wasn't wasn't safe enough for her if she was going to make it through that. So I did appreciate that. Uh, Moving into the end of the book with the mission. What did you think of that whole situation with fixing the broken cleansing system? So it felt like someone had hit fast forward when we got to like the part where they decided they were going to go in. Well, and that's the interesting thing too, because when I was writing this, I kind of thought that too, but this takes place over like a month. It's not, that's the crazy thing. So like, it does feel like we're, to jump on your point, it's like, we need to do something. We have a week, we can do it. It felt really fast, but the whole book was like not, not that much long. time as you would think. No. And that's the thing, like that part felt like fast forward only because it read more like a montage than the rest of the book did. And the rest of the book had that sort of like monster of the week vibe, like you were saying. Um, and then this was very much like again, like a montage. It was like, okay, and then we do this and then we do that. And then like if there had been music overlaid it, I would have been totally nonplussed. But yeah. I did appreciate that they came up with who was going. They came up with a plan. They did the thing. It did feel not as dire once they got to the graduation hall that I thought it would. Like, I would have expected that to, like, drag out a little more and to feel more consequential. Like, yeah, a couple people died, but it was like a couple people died. And maybe that's just because that's what happens at school of man's fucking people die. Like, yeah. I don't like, that's not really that big of a deal at this point. I did like that. They had such levels of teamwork, I guess. I thought that that was pretty critical and also just like a good, maybe foreshadowing of like how, how seniors should be dealing with graduation is coming up with like a quote unquote plan of attack. Like, yeah, you don't necessarily know what mouths are down there, but if you have a a focused goal, like they did with repairing stuff, they were so much more successful than I imagine they would be as just like on this enclave, that enclave and that enclave going in and doing them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it kind of, bugged me a bit as you're talking about with the montage that situation and granted they had pick of the litter as long as it wasn't enclave kids uh mm-hmm. which if you're going for valedictorian it's because you're not in an enclave you don't have an easy route so i guess that that does make sense but 
these kids get their alliances and that's what they're it's basically your senior project is working yeah. on your battle formation and yeah. figuring out all your pieces and who can bring what learning new spells all that stuff and for them to just kind of in a week be like here's the plan and oh we got it down to five minutes and the artificers are the best in the world so obviously they made all the parts we may or may not need even though i guess we saw blueprints but we've never really seen this thing we don't even really know how it works not only that, but like real adult magicians had gone in repeatedly and failed. Like I would have been like, sorry, kids, this is an impossible task. And that's the thing I don't get because my understanding is the graduation happens. Yeah. And then induction happens and induction yeah. happens through graduation hall. Doesn't it don't, isn't that the no. one way in and out of the void? I understood like they all just like materialized in the, okay. that, that would make more sense. But my thought was. I thought it was induction. There's only one door in and out. So oh. graduation, you run out. Induction, you come back No, I think in. you're right. Because like all of the mouths are just satiated from having eaten all of the graduating seniors that didn't make it out. So that if that's the case, assuming that that is, that I read that right, why wouldn't a group of adult magicians come in then <laughs> and fix it? <laughs> like it just... Yeah. For a group of 17 and 18 year old kids, basically, to be like, we figured it out. Uh, yeah. And for and well, not like, only that, but they were like, okay, well, we'll we were making all these parts for every eventuality. We get there and there's like a problem we didn't expect. And then they're like, we got it. We fixed it. Like, I well, it took 20 to times like, longer. Sure, 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 sure. But I expected them to be like, well, we can't do it. It's like straight up broken forever. And that, if that would have happened, I think they would have killed Orion. Yeah. Like, I think the seniors would have killed Orion and, and Elle at that point because she wouldn't yeah. have let that happen. So it, it's kind of one of those things with this From story. that Keeping it, like, your leads alive, you gotta... <laughs> and the action just kept coming with this, that like, if you were like, oh, it didn't work, we have to regroup, that just wouldn't have worked with how... No, like, it would have been no, a letdown of the story. Like, what do you mean they hit a bump in the road? Yeah, like narratively fine. But again, I think like that that whole like graduation hall fixing thing just felt unrealistic isn't the right word because this is what we're dealing with. But it felt too duas machina. I mean, I appreciated that they like we talked about sort of the lead up, like coming up with a plan, picking your people, doing all like like Italian job style, like here's what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah. And then that I love also, I suppose, that the execution didn't go exactly according to plan because right. like, that would have been really obnoxious. But it still felt like meh. it was it was too pretty. It was a feisty and bow. It's been a while yeah. since we used that. It was too pretty yeah. of a feisty and bow. And the one thing I will say that I did appreciate about it is that she did put in the background work to make it make sense where kids were pressured to do sure. their exams for them so the group could practice and didn't have to worry about exams yeah. there the enclaves gave a guaranteed spot to anybody who sure. volunteered whereas before sure. you're kind of like yeah you're Maybe. in but you might not be in yeah. so that made sense for why kids on the outskirts are you know some of them were like oh i got an in at whatever um yeah like Dubai India, but something. I wanted Shanghai or something like yeah. that like that made sense so I did appreciate that those were filled in to where it made sense how they were kind of getting the best of the best yeah. and how those kids would come up with a plan so there is that and they had some redundancies in case people fell which they did although they didn't have a redundancy of English speakers so that was a little bit oh messy. always so they couldn't uh, talk about what was going on as they were having issues 
I did also appreciate like in the moment when so Al is one of the like shield holders, as is what's her face, the valedictorian. Um the Rita. Okay, yep. So there's one point where she repels a Mal, Elle does, and Clarita sort of looks at her like aghast, like shocked that she was that powerful. And I was like, I wonder what this is going to mean because Clarita is presumably walking out of the door. I mean, I guess we don't know if she survived or not, but I think we could be a fair assumption that she did. Yeah. And so what will that mean for Elle? inside if somebody outside knows she's that powerful like i don't know if that's going to play into i'm assuming the golden enclave when they get out and they make their own enclave well it will be interesting because to her credit that's kind of what clarita did like she got valedictorian without anybody ever figuring it out which is almost impossible yeah, to like do here. so i could see her maybe being the one to be like okay secrets i get it but yeah we'll see we'll see what that means i did think again another kind of one of those improbabilities that just happened to happen was Clarita had this incredible spell sharing thing that was so super special and super useful (laughs) yeah and it could be um what is the word where like you can make it up on the fly uh impromptu yeah it could it's like impromptu so like it was more of like improv yeah it was like a call and repeat kind of thing and yeah, like it was a song but like it, you didn't have to be a perfect wording it could be like but you, you could, could use like, other adjectives somebody else. and yeah. if somebody follows you pick up their part and then just the way at one yeah, point l was saying it feisty. yeah it just as l was like her manner of saying it was like now it's like a whispered thing because i'm keeping you out and that's going to help with the shield if we see a buffer and push that sarlacc worm out or whatever it was a lot of that where i was just like all right, but here can I, bows can I on bows Um, Clarita, in my head, I was a hundred percent picturing her like the really strong sister from Encanto. <laughs> nice. All right. Like, I don't know why. There's just something about maybe just like her whole I'm like stealthy, awesome. Yeah. That just gave me that that That's vibe. Fair. So the other thing uh, that I took away from that is what the fuck is up with Orion? Like they had a plan where he would like come back to the shield and like only go out if something big was coming. And instead he's like, you know, it's like he has like three lightsabers around him going (laughs) in a shield. uh, And it's just whatever comes up. Like they kept the time he took a break was when the bodies ringed him and he could like go on a knee take a breather as like some of the mouths would just like grab the bodies of the other ones because they can eat them just as easily and then they would regroup like he's just rolling around out there just like killing cerberus and shit and like i did appreciate though that he like got so in the zone that somebody tried to tell him to leave and he almost like killed them yeah he threw a rock at him yeah (laughs) with the book yeah i did and it it fits with orion like he gets so lost in that and i like i like how they're like oh we don't know if we're gonna have enough mana and he's like i've got you covered murder (laughs) murder murder kill all these things (laughs) yeah so yeah. yeah, maybe maybe too big of a feisty info, but it didn't hurt maybe. my feelings to read it, which that is whatever you take from that. So in the end, 
we're left with a few questions going into the next book, mainly. So they quote unquote fixed the mechanism, but they're not even sure if it worked. So yeah. maybe the graduating class didn't get out uh, or all of them will see. And they won't know that until they go into the graduation hall next year. Hopefully next that year. you think you might do some reconnaissance on that. You know, the way right. down now, maybe check that out before. Yeah. You like if now is a mellow time, now is the time to check. Yeah. Uh, so we have that. Um, what will happen between Orion and L? And the last, I think, biggest hook was what was with her mother's warning. So I wanted to use this as we do sometimes with these uh, trilogies and things like that. Where do you think the story's going uh, based on what you read and and where are you going to go with it? Oh, man, I don't know. So what is the next one's called The Last Graduate? Yes, which is a very interesting title. Golden Golden Enclave. Enclave. Okay, so next book. I reckon it comes down to this is when they're graduating, right? So it's it's going to come down to like either her or Orion graduating. And I imagine Orion sacrifices himself, very similar to what her father did. She probably isn't pregnant, though, because I hope that they haven't actually, I hope they've adhered to their non-romantic whatever, but it isn't meant to be. And so she's like, she's the one that makes it out. Orion doesn't, but maybe he's really still alive. I don't know. And then in Golden Enclave, I imagine she uses the um that spell book that she got about how to build your own enclave and she makes her own enclave and only allows badasses in. And the enclave's job is to go back to school advance to save oh, all the kids that are shit. still stranded there. Yeah. It's a uh, rescue. No, it's like one of those enclaves that like accepts loners only kind of thing. Nice, it's one of yeah. those like yeah. yeah. I hope that's true. I will say her mom's warning was definitely the thing that got me to be like, all right, I'll probably pick it up. I'll probably pick up the next book just because that's yeah, such a good. No, that was like really, especially because right at the end there, like they're all buddy, buddy, like yeah. three, her, her allies and him. It's like the makings of a pretty perfect little enclave, in my opinion. Yeah. And then her mom's warning, which her mom is like, from what we know of her, one to cast dispersions or like be very dramatic about that kind of thing. So yes. there must be a pretty valid reason. Yeah. Or maybe she just doesn't have the info. Like maybe it's not dissimilar from how everyone else views Orion and that they think he is one thing when he is not that thing, similar to her. Or, I mean, his mother is the, you're going to be the domino of New York's enclave, which is like the the head papa mm-hmm. there. And maybe this whole thing is just, he's been putting on a face, like his whole job was to get close to her because they know the prophecy and he is really a ruse this entire time and everything you know about Orion. Or it's like his mom is telling him that he needs to do that, but really he was supposed to and then he fell in love with her for realsies. Right. Little Romeo and Juliet maybe action on top of everything. Yeah. Uh, It's interesting just to see what happens. And we touched on this before. This book was so easy to read. It was very fast. Like there was, I was trying to get it done before Thanksgiving and I usually do like 40 50 pages at a time and then I take a break you know whatever do something and I was like sitting on my couch like okay let's watch a show and I was like what show do I want to watch and then I was just thinking about the story in the book and I was like I think I just want to keep reading the book. <laughs> like, that's the next episode and again that's kind of how the chapters work where it was like all right it let's made go to the, it this monster of the week yeah. yeah well and I appreciate too that like she didn't go into excessively lengthy explanations for anything you know but it also didn't feel like a scenario where there have been sometimes when I've read a book where I'm like I feel like I'm missing something I feel yeah. like as the reader there should be more given to me it didn't feel that with this it felt like just the right amount of you should know this and just the right amount of explanation 
Yeah, I felt like there was a little bit at the beginning, but that's to be you, fair, you're, you're building sure. a book, it makes sense. Yeah. So, but as soon as we got through that, it wasn't like one of those, like you're saying, where it goes back and it's like, and this is what an enclave yes. is. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, you know what that is enough. You're good. Right. Uh, so I did appreciate that. The last couple of things I had for additional spoils, we did talk about her mom and how powerful she was, but it is spoiled that she is like a renowned magician that Elle yeah, Orion knew told her. anybody and that her. was that was one thing I found interesting so Orion knew her from the crystals she showed mm-hmm. the crystals uh that she was using and to store her banana and she was like how did how'd you get one of her crystals and she's like oh like, he's like how'd you get 50 you're a loser yeah. and she's like oh, <laughs> my mom she made him for me yeah but he, he doesn't tell anyone to to his no. credit the thing that threw me off on that was she then gives crystals to Adia and Lou and neither one of them seemed to pick up on it. And I would think Adia especially would because of artificing and kind of just her are those, knowledge. Are those akin? Like is mana storing crystal making similar to artificing? I'm not sure, but okay. the, my thought was that Maybe it's because they don't have connections to the enclaves. Maybe that's why they didn't pick it up. And that's how Orion knows it. But it seemed like when he saw it, like the fact that he was immediately like, that's whatever her name is. Oh my God. Oh my God. I just had a thought. What if Orion's mom and Elle's mom are like sisters or rivals or some shit? And so it's like, stay away from Orion because he's your cousin. <laughs> I mean, I, but he wouldn't know. He would know. No, he wouldn't know. Because what if what if they're totally like, what if they're sisters, but they fucking hate each other or something? And so Orion's been like grown up knowing that this person is oh, like, man. I don't know. I don't know. I, I love that I, idea. I literally I just thought idea. of that. <laughs> I love that idea. If, if if he knows and that would make, oh, that'd be great. Uh, maybe like, maybe he doesn't know that they're cousins, but maybe he knows that like, maybe he knows of her mom, of Elle's mom because of the animosity that his mom has for her or something. And it would make sense because his, her mom hates Enclave so much and like yes. thinks everything should be given for free. Like all our healing is given oh for my free God. and everything. <laughs> oh my God. What if? We're writing the books for you. They're already out. <laughs> what if in school, when when the moms, so Ryan's mom and Elle's mom were in school, what if they both, like, what if there was a, like, love triangle situation where Elle's dad was, like, the, the piece that they wanted and they had maybe, or maybe they were, like, BFFs and then Maybe they were part of an alliance. Part. Yeah, maybe they were, exactly. But then like maybe when they left and maybe because maybe all of them were in a little alliance together and nobody helped to save uh, Elle's dad. And so uh, Elle's mom was like, fuck everybody, I'm out. And now hates everyone. And I don't know, I don't know. But I that's, um... (laughs) I'm sure we're not even 1% correct, but I love this story. (laughs) I think it should definitely be out there. Well, fanfic it, don't worry. Um, <laughs> it might exist. It probably does. So <laughs> the last thing we touched on briefly was just her spell book. The fact that, well, the library was trying to convince her to not go after the mom elf because it needed to let it eat all the freshman children. She's and, wily to its ways. Yeah, she manages to catch a, you know, spell book that is... 5,000 years old or something like that, that is like never in circulation, but it had to fill its shelves with something. So it's pulling books because that's what the library does. If you're trying to get somewhere fast, it makes its shelves longer. And how does it do that? It just starts filling it with books. So she managed to catch that out of her eyes and grab it. And it's this huge spell book that goes back to like the first great powerful magician. So interesting, cool, obviously gives her a lot of like, we'll see where this goes for her. And that kind of 
power. Oh, I mean, she's going to make a golden enclave. Yeah. So I just thought that was just changed her status as well as people now oh, see totally. her. It was her, another way of her putting herself It's currency her for own. her. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I also feel like I fully appreciate Novik's, like the, the narrative aspect of having the books be, I don't want to call them sentient, but they they are picking who they live with based on how well they are treated and yep. how Elle recognized this. And she's like building this beautiful, like, bookshelf thing for it and like talks to it all the time and like I can totally relate like I oftentimes give inanimate things my love (laughs) (laughs) and I I just I this is especially I think impactful because at that point it's a mutually beneficial thing like that book is gonna stick around and help you and I love her little story about how her mom has you know four or five books or whatever and if, if one wants to leave She'll like do this little ceremony where she's like, I know one wants to leave. I'm just going to like open the doors and let one leave. And then another one comes and takes its place. And it's like, <laughs> this is just so great. <laughs> it is so great. Oh, it's so true. Yeah, I did. I did appreciate the love of books and how they and like she even talks about how she's like going to make a little LED strip for the yes, inside of the bookcase because they like they like electronics. Yeah, that was so funny. That, that was a, a very great touch to that before we move away from the book is there anything else you wanted to touch on in spoilers i don't think so i'm excited to see where like her enclave goes i'm gonna just call them that i mean it's an alliance right now but it will be an enclave everyone knows yeah i like i want to read these but i definitely i have 70 something books on my tbr so it's gonna be kind of if I run across it, if serendipity allows, if the book comes to me. <laughs> there you go. Nice. <laughs> that is absolutely fair. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. Like it, it's, I'm leaving this, after talking about it too, I'm leaving happier. Than me I too. And like, I wasn't disappointed, but like I said, no. I felt like just a story. And now I'm like, okay, there's, there's a little bit more. It makes me feel warm and fuzzy and about this. Really planted the seeds nicely, you know, because yeah. it's not like a, it's not like a, I need to know right now, but it's also like, a, oh, well, I don't actually care. It's like a nice happy medium between the two. Yeah, it's serendipity. We'll leave it to face. Yeah. So, um, on that note, we are going to move out of spoilers. So before we leave this book, we have to give it a score. We do this on our D20 scale. So one is bad, 20 is good. And then we will add or subtract points to it based on a modifier or ability from the classic game Dungeons and Dragons. So on that note, Tatcho, what are we giving this book and how does it lay out? All right. So I enjoyed this book. I am going to give it a an 18 straight roll because that's my lucky number. And that's like an easy one for me to go to when I do roles. I, let's see, I appreciated a f- quite a few things about it. The strong female lead thing, the 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 friendships, relationships, whatever. I appreciated that it wasn't like heavy handed on the romance. I liked that it was a page turner. I liked that I read it quickly because it was keeping my attention and it was an interesting story, as you said. And I I do appreciate the way that the cliffhanger was done. Because that really, it's a nice hook. It's a hook that doesn't, as we just said, doesn't like force you to go to the next one, but it also doesn't leave you wanting. I mean, in a, in a like, well, that book sucked and I don't understand why we're here. (laughs) Um, And then I'm going to, I'm going to give it a plus one for Arcana. 
So that's a 19. I think that the magic side of things, as we talked about before, was sort of, I think cookie cutter is a good description, just sort of a baseline um, in terms of like the mana. And there was there was stuff that I thought was neat about it. I think particularly the the bad side of magic, which I don't think is often expressed as fully in magic books. And I appreciate the way she did that and how heavy the emphasis was on that in the school um, yeah. and the the Maleficaria and the Maleficers. I, I liked that there was like a good distinction, an easy distinction between like the bad guys and the good guys. Yeah, yeah. But that the bad guys were like still part of everyday life. In any case, I, I think that the the magic was not mind-blowingly different but different enough to be something that wasn't boring yeah so that's a that's a 19. nice so i i bumped it up one as we were talking just because like i said it made me feel a little bit i don't know better about it so i'm gonna go with your other lucky number 13 Hmm. for me on the roll and it's basically what we've been saying like i've now that I'm actually keeping a real good reads, I am like using that kind of as a scale where like, to me, this was a, a solid three, three and a half star. I book. wish they'd let you do half stars. I know we've talked about this, but that I think is so important. I agree. And I, I that's kind of where I put it again. Like it's a great, it was a great story. It was, I didn't want to put it down as far as like, it just kept you. It kept your interest. The monster of the week kind of set up. I really enjoyed that part of it. It wouldn't be the first book I told you to read, but I would definitely say, yeah, check it out. If, if that's kind of your, what you're into, check it out. And we'll see how it goes as the trilogy goes on, because sometimes they can totally blubber that up. But that's a good point. We'll see what happens there. So for me, I was just kind of thinking along those lines of like, good story, not anything super powerful in it. Uh, I did appreciate Elle and how she kept finding strength in herself. I think that's huge. If there wasn't so much death in it, maybe it'd be great for like young children to read. Right. (laughs) Maybe not quite yet. Uh, But I did appreciate that kind of show of character. And then as you were saying, the the mouse being the difference and kind of the bad side of the magic. That's what I was focusing on for it. So for me, it's a plus two for animal handling. As I was putting the mouse out there, it's kind of just different magic situation because that was kind of my favorite part of what she brought to it was all these different monsters of the week and how they were. They sounded like things you had heard about before. There were parts of them that you could recognize, but then there were also other parts that were just completely their own thing and how resourceful they were and how different she made them. I really enjoyed kind of as we came across those again from like the tiniest snails that have like little worms on them that hide from light because they know they're not powerful enough to the mom mouth, which Mm -hmm. nobody should be able to defeat unless you're L. So for me overall, it's a 15, which again, if you're thinking of stars, it's almost a four star book. I think that's super solid for this. And I think it's again, something that if you want to check it out, it won't take a lot of your time. Give it a shot. Uh, But as far as things I've read this year, I would definitely recommend other things first as being a more powerful read. So check them out. Uh, Novik hasn't led us astray yet. Um, I'm still halfway through Temeraire. I know you've finished So many books. (laughs) Spinning Silver was great. We'll see about Uprooted at some point and continue this uh, as soon as the books come to us. So on that note, we're going to leave the book and we're going to move into our segments. We're going to start with current selection of what have you been reading? What are you reading next? Um, well, I finished um, Anthropocene Reviewed by John Green. That was good. It was um, 
really interesting. It's like little essays, basically, um, where he reviews the Anthropocene is like the time period in which we are currently living. And so he just reviews like different aspects of what is our everyday life. So that was pretty cool. I like his writing. I think he's a funny dude and has a lot of really interesting things to say. So that was fun. I've started listening to the new Michelle Obama book, The Light We Carry. It's great, obviously. Fucking love her. I am currently reading Half the World by Joe Abercrombie, which is the second installment of um, the series that started with Half a King that Nern has lent me. It's good. It's a fast read. I mean, I'm only on like page 50 or something, but this one has a strong female lead. So I'm excited to find out where that goes. Yeah, that's, I feel like I read something else, but maybe I didn't. (laughs) Oh, I'm still reading, um, I'm on the third one of Wheel of Time now too. Listening to it or reading it? Listening. Listening to it. Yeah. Listening to it is so much easier to digest. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, The Dragon Reborn. I'm only, I still have 19 hours and 59 minutes left, so getting there <laughs> That's a really book. yeah um but yeah there it's good i just it's it's a story that i feel like i can put down and pick up yeah pretty easily that's what's nice about doing it as an audiobook as well so nice i always pull up my pictures so i can look at the books i've read recently because i never remember what they are either Same. so i did read a couple just crime thriller so um my first michael connelly book was called dark sacred night it's one of his more recent ones he is like more of a cop drama writer at least on this case like i found this at my dump i thought i'd give it a chance feels like a lot of people talk michael connelly up i really appreciate his writing because his characters feel very realistic um it's placed in our world you're dealing with detectives and all that but it seems like they have life that affects them it's not just a superhero uh you know they have their ups and downs they have their trials that they've gone through and they make questionable decisions that you may or may not agree with at different times you know so it it just felt really believable and i appreciated that as i was reading the story i picked up another one at his dump it seems like somebody and my town loves reading him and loves dropping him off so i figure i'll just keep grabbing him until i hit one that doesn't hit so after that i read another harlan coben called runaway which was a standalone one i really liked it but i got like 95 percent of it right which is scary so i said this in my review i was like either there was a lot of clues and it was obvious or i have just spent too much time reading his really books catching up on now. it so we'll see what the next one but i did enjoy it. i do enjoy his standalone stories as much as i like myron and all that i like seeing what else he can come up with outside of that world because it takes him away from sports and that kind of globe do you say that i really appreciate the one well many things about harlan but the thing about how they um the even the standalone books and myron and uh, like everything has some threads of similar characters and i love that so it's like different it is standalone but it's not that it's like a completely different world or time or space or whatever yeah hester crime scene was in this one hester yeah so there's a girl Interesting seeing them, and especially as his work has gone on, Hester has aged. So it's it's interesting yeah. what book you're reading, where she is in her life too. Uh, and then the last one I read was one that you had given me quite a while ago that you've talked about on this program before, but it was The Water Dancer by Tan Nahisi. Oh, so good. Such beautiful writing and such yes. a powerful topic 
to discuss and just kind of get the viewpoint of obviously a past generation, but of struggles that we'll never understand. So to oh see, God, it's such a beautiful book that went through and like to put yourself in Hiram's uh, head and and understand what or try to understand what he's going through. And again, another situation where you made him believable because there's things that the reader you're sitting there like, open your eyes, Hiram. That's obviously not what's happening. But he's in the moment. He's like, you know, and obviously it's his situation. He doesn't know who to trust, what to do. So it's understandable. But as the reader, you're like, come on, come on, hi, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. I got to say too, after reading that book, there's this, um, I think it's on Amazon prime or something, a movie about Harriet Tubman that I like fully need to watch. I still haven't watched it, but after I read that book, I was like, get on that Tasha, watch that right now. (laughs) Add it to the list. So that's where we're at right now. Moving on. We have random recommendation, which Taja has got this one. Let's see what she came I up do. with this episode. Um, so this one was on one of my current reads a while ago. Um, Cloud Cuckoo Land by Anthony uh, Dorr. I've seen that in so many places that I just want to pick up, but I'm like, I you have too many books. was driving by the South Burlington um, Library, Community Library, And a lady was, I like stopped in traffic to like let her cross the road. And she had that book in her hand and I almost rolled down my window to be like, that's a great book, but she was old and I didn't think she'd hear me. And I was like, don't do that. That's awkward. You're yelling out the window at some lady. So I didn't. So before you go on about this book, when we went on our little date day, we were in a bookstore in uh, Bennington, Vermont. And this woman and her daughter were there and they were talking about, how uh, the mother is in a book club and how every member of the book club gets to like pick a book. Uh, and she was getting really tired because she she hates how many books are written by men and all this. And I'm just sitting there like eating my- I have so many I, ladies I can I'm tell you about. i so hard on her, but I just want to be like, here, this oh, and Russell, this and this us. and that and this and that. I just don't ever feel comfortable in that situation. But I mean, sorry. I guess if you were a woman, it would have been, it would have come off different. Right. I should have just been whispering into Amanda's ear and that wouldn't have looked yeah. either. Tell her yeah. Well, this. Amanda reads a lot too, but. That's true. Well, she just wasn't near me, but yeah, she also okay. wouldn't. We're not those people. Well, no, like, no. She <laughs> let, me, let me eavesdrop into your conversation. Just, uh, I'd, I'd do that. <laughs> um, but anyway, Cloud Cuckoo Land. Oh, Cloud Cuckoo Land, it's really, really interesting book. I know you've read other Anthony Doors. Was it like? All the light we cannot see. All the light we can see. Okay, cannot see. It was a really fascinating book. It takes place, oh, like there's different storylines, I guess I'd say, different time periods. But there's one like continuous thread is this story, Cloud Cuckoo Land, and sort of like how this story has impacted all these different people and all these different situations. And then some of them are connected in certain ways. It just like, I listened to it and it was very well done. But I imagine it would all, it would also read well. Nice. Um, but it yeah, it was just one of those books where like I would stop listening and I would think about it quite a bit because oh, cool. yeah, it, it just I mean he's a really he's a fantastic writer and and the jumping between the different timelines and storylines and stuff and then kind of like you in your head figuring out like how things are gonna coalesce and it's clear obviously some of them how they relate to each other like one these two storylines are kind of happening like simultaneously with two different protagonists I guess but yeah it's just a really really interesting book it's hard to define really 
Um, but yeah, I definitely recommend it. It was a lot of fun. I've seen that a lot on the internet of people recommending it or saying they enjoyed it or anything I, like it's that. Very, so it's very like, impactful, just yeah. like how it, and it's so on the nose, I guess, of how one story, which is what the story is about, how one story can impact so many individuals and their lives and over such a long period of time. It's just, it's, it's how powerful, it's a powerful story about a powerful story. That's awesome. I like just, yeah, I just want to run and grab it. Like I just, yeah, it's, it's very good. Definitely one of those ones that seems to be everywhere that everyone's talking about that. Yeah. One. If I had a copy to give you, I would, but. Damn audiobooks. I know. Uh, it's okay. Hey, oh, also, however you want. as a, as just like a random recommendation, like throwback, I guess this isn't really right. So I think I mentioned to you that I had lunch with a friend of mine that I hadn't seen in like over a decade. Yeah. Um, and she texted me recently to say that she was listening to Razorblade Tears and she's loving it and that she would listen to a whole bunch of other books that I, and she was like, you know, fuck you. Cause I have things I need to do with my life and now I'm just listening to audiobooks. <laughs> um, and so it was just like really affirming little moment that we had where she was like, I, I was like, sorry, not sorry. Yeah. You know, this is great. I'm loving that you love it. It's a great book. Um, also, hopefully you find more and don't do anything with your life because you're listening to audiobooks. <laughs> hey, you know, as you should, let your book, let your life be consumed by books. There's yeah. no t-shirt. Yeah. yeah. So. Let the books come to you. Let the books come to you and then let them consume you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so to finish up this episode, we have what's on our next podcast. I'm very excited for this one. Uh, it is something you've been seeing or we've been seeing everywhere. Oh, a, yeah. lot of, a lot yeah. of people are saying this is the book of the year. So it is Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zabin. Or Zabin. Uh, it's an absolutely Such beautiful book. Such a cool book, book cover. I'm not waiting to get into it. Um, so the little blurb from the book is, it's an exhilarating novel by the best-selling author of The Storied Life of A.J. Filkry. Have to check that one out too, maybe. Two friends often in love, but never lovers come together as creative partners in the world of video game design where success brings them fame, joy, tragedy, duplicity, and ultimately a kind of immortality. So we shall see what that is about. Um, again, very excited for that. We have two episodes left before the end of this year, so we're going to try to finish strong. But for now, this has been the ABC Pod, the Adult Book Club with Tasha and Russell. Keep, Keep reading. reading.